Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignel, CEO of the Experience Agency, D-Flash. Each week, I bring on a different person from business who's doing some game-changing work. And as we're in this time of the pandemic, and it's trapped indoors because of COVID, connecting with uh, business leaders who are you know, navigating and pivoting and rejiggering because they have to as a result of us all being stuck inside is, is a really fascinating conversation, which is why I'm so excited to have Rachel Miller, who's the founder of Films of Future and founding partner of Haven Entertainment, to talk about what she's been able to do and uh, adapting this really unusual time. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Rachel. Hi. How's it going? It's great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, psyched to have you on. So, you know, a gazillion and one episodes later, the first question never changes. So, Rachel, what was your first job? Uh, my very first job, this is a great story, is I was 16 and I worked at a very high-end jewelry store in Los Angeles and basically learned how to sell anything to people who didn't want to buy it. You know, nothing like selling a very expensive necklace to someone who didn't know they wanted to buy a necklace. Uh, but I loved it. I had a great time. And I think that really actually kind of set the stage of being fearless and just going up and talking to people, which is basically my job. Sounds like a good way to get started. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's such a random job, but I, it was my first real job and I absolutely loved it. Weirdly. <laughs> Fantastic. So, okay, if so you go from that to now having two companies, what was that journey like? It's a great question. Um, I think, you know, uh, my backstory is I actually didn't have any arts in high school. I didn't, I didn't go to a very good high school, let's say that. I'll leave out the gory details. And when I found film at 17 or 16, I was like, oh my God, this is a job. I want to do this. And it really changed my life. And I ended up um, getting into a summer program at NYU Film School, and that helped me get into Tisch. Um, and I had an amazing experience, but I didn't have a lot of money. And so the deal I had made with my parents is, I would figure out a way to how to go to uh, college myself. So I ended up uh, going to Tisch and doing school in three years because that's all the money I had. And I ended up actually, uh, one of my jobs is I worked as a teacher in Manhattan Public School, which is a whole other crazy story that they let someone with uh, literally no like criteria <laughs> teach at a public school. Like literally. Um, oh, I was like, guys. We'll leave that alone for never say. <laughs> right? I was like, guys, this education system is not great if, if that's his teaching. Um, but, but that experience of teaching at a public school, ironically, came back many years later. And so I ended up um, graduating college at 20 and um, worked as an assistant in Hollywood for a couple years and then started my own company at 23 and kind of grew and merged to form Haven Entertainment. And, you know, I've, I've always owned my own management production company um, with partners and then about six years ago, um, I kind of was like, well, we need some change in Hollywood. I don't see anyone doing it. I'm going to raise my hand and do it. And that is how Film the Future kind of came to be in 2000 and, 
2016. That's math. I can do math. See, this was the problem with me teaching math. I'm like, it wasn't really my skill set. Um, yeah, I <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, ironically, it's a long way to answer your question, but I think my personality has always been, uh, you know, brave the path, whether it's been a production management company or a nonprofit. And that's just, I think my personality. So that's how it all happened. And so now, so you've got film the future, tell us like what in the world is it? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so the idea behind Film to Future is that we are training um, diverse, mostly low-income students in Los Angeles, not only professional filmmaking curriculum, but we are doing an entire life skills curriculum over the four years at high school. So by the time they're 18, they're ready for either college or the first paid job or like internship or paid PA job, which we help get. And the whole idea kind of came from teaching in public school of, if you don't understand that the education system is rigged, you know, from a very early on, you know, I taught fourth and fifth grade, right? So very early and, and obviously education research shows the gap widens even earlier. This idea in Hollywood that magically you're somehow gonna have the grades, SAT portfolio, family connections, you know, mini movie to somehow get yourself in the door to Hollywood or to USC or NYU, which is $72,000 a year, I think. Um, it's a nonsense lie. You know, so all these companies were starting to say, oh, we're desperate for diversity and we're desperate for, you know, unique candidates, but we can't find anyone qualified. And I kind of was like, well, yeah, if you don't start in high school and build an actual real quantifiable pipeline with tr professional loving training and professional level, you know, we do budget preparation and resume writing and LinkedIn and college essay review, no change is gonna happen. And so that is what Film to Future is. We're actually building a real pipeline into Hollywood um, that is completely zero barrier to entry. And by that, I mean, it is zero cost to the students. We cover all the food, all the equipment, all the transportation, um, literally our students just have to show up and be creative, but everything else is taken care of, including this year when we moved to a remote program, we built, um, complete tech pods for every student. So every student got a computer, Wi-Fi, headphones, um, comfortable chair, all the software and a box of fresh fruit and vegetables every week. Um, so they could remote learn. So we are, really removing all the barriers to entry for our students to actually have a career in Hollywood. Awesome. And so necessary. Cause I think this is, this is so necessary because I think there's so many amazing young creative students who just do not get the opportunities. Like, you know, I too went to NYU. <laughs> and, you can't and, see me, but I'm whooping. <laughs> uh, I did not go to Tisch. I was CAS, mm -hmm. um, and but I did take a couple of classes in Tisch, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, and I actually done four years of this. I'd probably be in Hollywood." Uh, <laughs> like, but also, um, I come from a privilege. Like I was pretty much there on full scholarship because I was a really smart child. Um, but like lots of my friends who I went to, who I went to school with, are now like well-known folks who are in, who went to Tisch are now. Oh, well-known directors, like uh, DPs and all kinds of writers within the Hollywood structure. 
and most of them are not black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've had the pleasure through our mutual friend Lana and more of meeting much more, so many amazing creative people who look like me. And I want to help find more of them. And I realize that, you know, obviously education and the gap with education is something that means a tremendous amount to me um, because I think it's just so necessary. And so programs like yours uh, are are so important right now, especially because we're now having this, you know, educational gap that's going to happen as a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're seeing it obviously with my students and it's just going to, it's playing out across the country. You know, we talked a little bit about this before we started, you know, the difference of families with means who can provide Wi-Fi and private MacBooks and tutors and personal instruction, right? Those students are, let's be honest, going to be okay in COVID. They are going to not lose a step. Whereas, you know, most of the students I work with, they don't, they're not getting computers and they don't have Wi-Fi and, you know, their teachers are not showing up to class and they're not getting one-on-one instruction and they are sharing a computer with siblings and they don't have a quiet space to work. And we're just, this gap is going to get exponential very quickly. And that is terrifying, right? And it's just, you know, again, this idea, I think for me personally, because I'm so obsessed with the education gap and what's happening in this country you know, a lot of people are talking about the lack of diversity on the output side, but I'm obsessed with, you know, working on the input problem. Let's give real training to students who are not going to fancy LA high schools, right? Who are not getting, let's say, Steven Spielberg, who I love, by the way, to, you know, come to class and, you know, fund their film program, right? So I just think if we as a society don't focus on the beginning of this education cap, we're going to keep having these same conversations year after year after year about the lack of diversity on the output side. And so how can, how can people help? I mean, like at this particular junction, like, you know, you've got this amazing program. You're just one woman. Um, (laughs) How, how can folks get involved um, and find ways to assist? Cause like I said, I think that, you know, I do see that there has been this sort of groundswell because um, I've been working a lot on the PPE side of the universe mm-hmm. with um, helping get PPE to communities of color, especially disproportionately affect the colleges um, and K through 12. Um, because I know like if you can help communities that are most likely to be affected, they'll be the ones that benefit the most, which will help rise all the tides, all the boats. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the same thing helps with programs like yours. Yeah, I mean, so we are a teeny tiny nonprofit. So, you know, we always need donation help. I'll be very honest. Um, You know, this is just uh, a small organization. Um, So that's always a great answer. Um, And you can go to filmtofuture.org and see more about what we do. But the other thing is, look, we're always looking for people to get involved. You know, we have over 500 speakers a year. Um, we do an, a ton of, and of course this year, virtual programming, um, you know, we do a college, a college day, we do an editing day in the fall, we do, um, a mental health day. We actually just ran that day on Saturday. Um, so we're always looking for volunteers and speakers, um, to help, um, because we are a tiny organization that is, uh, led by a volunteer army of people who want to get involved. So those are kind of the two best ways 
Um, and the third way, and we've actually seen a lot of amazing support from the Hollywood community stepping up and saying, we realize there, there's a problem. We want to get involved. We want to hire uh, film and feature students um, as paid PA and paid um, interns, which has been amazing. And we actually um, already since the summer have set up 12 paid PA and paid internships with um, Hollywood production companies. Um, so that's another great way. If you're if you are at a production company post, you know, management, it doesn't matter what side, reach out because we have trained um, ready to go great candidates for you that um, are eager to start working. And question for you, I think a lot of folks I want to know this. Like, how much does like a like a junior person make? as like a PA, because I, I, I think, you know, especially now when people are trying to really reevaluate, like, okay, can I do this? Because I can't be a waitress anymore because COVID. Right. Uh, yeah. so, so, like, I think, because, you know, and I, the reason I asked this specifically is because, you know, in the advertising industry, for example, like, uh, they talk about how you can't get a lot of, you know, younger kids to understand, like, it's a really awesome particular um, field for you to go into, because maybe they don't know how to become a writer or, or a, you know, they don't know that someone knows how to draw. And I'm like, there's so many other jobs in advertising that you can make a good salary at and, and live a good life. And so whenever I talk to high school students, I always say like, you know, the average starting salary for a project manager is $60,000 a year. And you can yeah. be 24 years old and make that. And like all of a sudden the, the light bulb goes on. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and then when you sort of say to them, like, hey, who here is the one who's always organized? Who's mm-hmm. here everyone else out of trouble? Uh, who's the one who has friends everywhere? Uh, who's the one who, who's a smooth talker? And you know, like, and people raise your hand. I'm like, yeah, you can be a project manager. And I would imagine the same premise. You can be a producer uh, mm-hmm. um, because like those those interesting translatable skills are useful in so many other places. But you can also get paid pretty well if you do mm-hmm. that. And that's how it works in the advertising world. And I'd love to kind of understand how it works in the film world. Yeah, well, it's 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 funny you mentioned that, and I think that's. I mean, I'm biased, but I think that's why film the future is so special and unique. Is you know we aren't about the one director or writer job or actor job. That's great, but what we teach at Film the Future is about literal the literal thousands of jobs in Hollywood that are great paying jobs that nobody talks about. We talk about post production supervisor, you know, hair and makeup. We have a graduate who, through our program, wants to go into location managing, right? Like, there are so many great jobs that are not being talked about. And as you said, if you're organized, post production supervisor, right? They make a lot of money. Um, I do this uh, kind of a bit, but it's actually real with my students as I bring in a bill. I did a, a big commercial shoot. Uh, with a very big female star who I won't name, but I brought in a hair and makeup bill for one day of work that I paid to her H&U team, and it was $12,000 for one day of work for, I think, three people. They mm-hmm. split it. I was like, this is real money. Um, these are real jobs and real money, and they're union jobs, and they're healthcare, which, by the way, is a huge thing, right? Especially now. Um, so... To get back to your point, you know, I think, you know, generally, generally, I think most jobs start kind of $100, $150 a day for a PA, and then it can go up and escalate really fast, right? You could be making, you know, 
60, 70, $80,000 your first year pretty fast, right? Um, you know, we have a student who I think, again, math, Laura is not my strong shoot. I, unlike you, was not a great student and did not get all the scholarship. Um, so, math. Um, but, you know, we have a student who went from PA to um, first AC because of Film the Future in like two years. And a first AC can make $75,000, $80,000 in a year easily um, and be in a union and have insurance and all those perks, right? Um, and the best thing about set, you know, you get like three meals a day and a lot of food to take home, um, <laughs> which is why I love set. Um, so these are great jobs that you can make really good money on. And that's what we talk about a lot is not not the 1% of top jobs, but storyboard artist and post-production soup and location and hair and makeup and the million other jobs, you know, gaffer, grip, right? There's tons of great jobs out there if you are trained and connected, which is what we provide. Yeah, I mean, this is, and I think this is a thing that, you know, you know, I, I I really want folks to understand that, like, you know, there's a whole universe of things before you could become Issa Rae or Lena Waithe. Yep. Um, and, you know, you can totally, and look, there is no, there obviously there's barriers to get there, but in the meantime, while you're on your road, you know, there's a way to successfully live in these film areas uh, sort of tangentially while you're writing that next script to, you know, build the next Insecure. Um, as a result of COVID. Can I just add one thing? I just want to say one thing. I want to add to your point. I want to double down on it. Not only, not only on, is it important, like kind of tangentially of of, of jobs, it actually makes you a better writer or producer, right? Learning how to be on set, learning about all the other jobs, understanding how the process works together makes you a much better creative talent, right? Like, it is not, it is not to me personally, it's not just something to do, but when you see people succeed, it's because they understand how everyone needs to work together to produce something. Right. And that's how you get a great team working. That's how you get a great, a great show is everyone understands what the other one does and is working to meet that goal. I just wanted to add to that. <laughs> no, you're so, no, you're so right. I think that, look, I, you know, when I look at my career now, all the jobs I had, which were all over the place from starting at work at Office Depot, where I was a cashier, uh, to, you know, um, working for advertising agencies to now having my own, all of that prepared me for the jobs, the jobs, plural, I have now. Yep. Um, and so it also, it also, this is a way to make connections. I think people forget that like, this is basically about who you know anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and the truth of the matter, and this is what I tell my students all the time, you know, I might, you know, we might provide the door opening to help our students get their first jobs. But honestly, after that, it's connecting on set. It's being part of a PA or intern community, right? It's really about the network you build for yourself is how the next jobs come, right? So you're going to meet, what, 200 people on set easily, right? Maybe now it's a little bit less than COVID, but your network is going to, balloon really fast and that's how you're going to get your next job and that's how you're going to build a career so speaking of things around COVID how has you know COVID affected the business obviously you've now had to go virtual um, but also we now know that you know things are coming back online from a 
film production side of the universe, but with, you know, a whole host of um, like safety measures. How has that affected you know, what you guys are doing for, and also and helping place your, your students? Uh, it's a great question. So truthfully, in March, we were kind of um, terrified of what we were going to do this summer because, you know, I think the world was. There was a lot of not not, not knowing anything, which I think is scarier. Um, and we actually ended up going almost entirely virtual, but we did actually pull off um, making five shorts with full COVID safety guidelines, and we produced five shorts. Um, and we worked with Framework, um, which is an amazing company, and they really, uh, Rajan Patel is on our board, they really helped us put our COVID safety guidelines together, but it is possible. Right. You know, we tested 50 people. We, you know, we had COVID safety supervisors. We had small pods, but you can do it. I mean, we did it with students and minors and we pulled it off completely successfully and made five shorts. So I think here's here's my take. This is a, a subjective opinion of one. The interesting thing about COVID that no one's really talked about that is that we are training the entire world to watch four or five hours of content at night, at least, right? <laughs> like, right? Like, seriously, think about that. People are at home. They're used to staying at home watching content, right? So ironically, I think there's going to be a huge need for more and more content because we've just literally trained the world to stay home. Um, and so, and they're not going to go back outside. Correct. For two years. Correct. So here's the thing. Obviously people are getting it together now, right? We're watching it. We personally filmed a future personally made five shorts this summer and we pulled it off with total COVID safety protocols. Um, and we were very careful and it worked. And I think, I think if people are smart and obviously things are going back up and if you're safe, I think it will happen. And I think, you know, I think people really need art and content right now, right? They need it to, they need to feel connected to humanity, right? So obviously I think this year was a little strange where everyone was trying to put procedures together but now that we've been in it since March, and to your point, I think we're going to be in it for at least 18 months, people are going to figure it out, and they are figuring it out because content is important. Um, well, I think it's just a, it's also the chance to sort of tell different stories. You know, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I'm really glad is that the stuff that's coming back isn't about COVID because I, I don't mm -hmm. want to see that in TV. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I now that I'm home, I'm back to watching in the background my favorite soap operas, Young and the Restless and mm -hmm. Beautiful, uh, which I've been watching since I was, I don't know, five. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is really nice to like watch the show and I, you can kind of notice that like people are kind of further apart in some of the scenes. And so like your level of suspending this disbelief kind of comes down a little bit. But <laughs> I'm watching, uh, I'm watching a, a soap opera. I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. watching a world people are talking to each other they're sitting next to each other and they're living their life and i think that sense of normalcy is essential now especially for people's sort of mental health around this because mm -hmm. i think if you were watching a show and it was a covid show you'd be like oh my god i'm never this is never gonna end um, uh, no i agree i think people want to escape 
I think people want to watch stuff that brings them joy or thrills, but like takes them out of their every day, right? Um, and I do think, and again, this is a totally subjective opinion, I think from darkness comes great art, right? Unfortunately, that is the truth about humanity. When things are hard, we tell better stories, right? Um, or more, I shouldn't say better, I will say more interesting, more thought provoking, more deep maybe, right? Um, better is too subjective. But I think we're gonna see some really interesting stuff. And I, I can say again, um, to, to the shorts our students made, they're amazing, you know, and they're deep and they're intense and they're personal. Um, and our gala is gonna be November 19th when we, we share our shorts with the world, but the creativity of our students, even at a time where we only had one day in person in the whole program, it's amazing to watch. Creativity can't be stopped, ever. And I think we're gonna see some really interesting things come out of it. At least I hope so, because I want some good stuff to watch. I'm gonna be real honest. I need, <laughs> I need more content. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I'm, I, I'm so excited by all the stuff that's coming out on TV now. And it's, and it's just different storytelling that's mm -hmm. so necessary. I mean, like, I you know, finally started watching Lovecraft Country, but then I'm still watching Real Houses of the Potomac. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I, 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 want, and I, want, I just want to see the regular Schmegler days of more diverse people on screen and yeah. behind the screens. Because it's like yeah. regular people, you know. And I think that's the thing that's, kind of key right now is that like let's use this opportunity for creating content to just show diverse voices living and loving and laughing mm -hmm. and experiencing things and doesn't everything doesn't have to be trauma porn yep um because i think that's also part of this especially when we're in this time i don't want to see too much dark stuff <laughs> i really don't um because uh, but I, like, I, I, like it's, yeah. it's just it's just hard dude <laughs> I mean, please, I'm with you. I mean, we're just like, the husband and I are just watching like a thousand episodes of Shit's Creek every night because, you know, <laughs> it's like very escapism. But that's what I think is amazing. And I think that's what kind of the point of Film the Future is that everyone has a great story to tell, right? But who gets that? Who gets to tell that story? Who has the access and the privilege and the resources, right? Who has a MacBook and an iPhone at home, right? That's $6,000 to just make a movie at home, right? And so what Film to Future does is we are finding such talented, diverse voices and, and providing them the same access and opportunity to tell their own stories. You know, our students, I kind of call it supported adulthood, but they... Every student pitches their own idea with a visual deck. Every student is a director, producer, editor, um, you know, what am I missing? Sound person on set. They are telling their own stories. We're providing support and training, but they are doing the work, right? And I think it is such an exciting time. And that's why uh, programs like Film the Future need to survive and exist because our students are going to be the ones telling the stories and changing the world. What's well, the thing? It's I think that's you know, this is a time for the best storytelling ever because mm -hmm. it's you have the tools and you have the ability. Um, you know, I think of like our friend from um, TikTok with Ocean Spray. Uh, and oh, how, I mean, uh, I can't, I can't. I literally, <laughs> as someone who also like grew up drinking Ocean Spray, um, literally that was like my, my 
like drink was ocean spray, cranberry juice and like seltzer as like, cause we weren't allowed soda ever. So that was like my special drink. I was like, I can't, I can't. I love, I love this. What's happening? Uh, and I love, and I, I think those sorts of extensions were obviously brands are now, con- are now content, content, content publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more you can do those fun things, but like, you know, that's the things that I want to see, where it's just like, it's a surprise and delight, but also, okay, you just thought this guy um, who is on a skateboard would not be singing Dreams. You're like, oh, you're, no. you, that's not the song that you're expecting to hear. But like, it, it goes back to the point of like, everyone has really unique sides. I'm sure there's music that he, he loves that would be sort of more emblematic of his supposedly um, his ethnic background. But it's like, no, dude, people like <laughs> lots of different things. Yeah. Um, I can like I, I, I can like Beyonce and I can like Enya. Like, oh my god! Thing. By the way, we have the same musical taste. So I can't even talk about it. Um, <laughs> both well, both hey. are my icons. Um, but I think that's the point, you know. And it's funny you bring up advertising, you know. So we the the four year curriculum we were on. It's year one is narrative filmmaking. Year two is animation. Year three is an emerging technology. We've done VR before you know, we're, we're talking about doing podcasting and year four is advertising because to your point, all, all these are creative endeavors that need diverse well, above and below the line, right. To make great content. Right. And it has to be authentic. Right. Um, and there's no reason advertising and it can, and is going through the same kind of realization that, they need they need different storytellers, right? Like you know, to bring back our TikTok hero, that was him doing something he loved, and it felt authentic and real, right? Like he was not faking that that he knew every word to that to dreams, right? Like that's kind of the point. It sometimes you need you need to surprise and delight, and you need authentic storytellers telling their truth. You don't someone scripting that it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, there's there's no there's no seventeen year old, fifteen year old who does a TikTok dance who could have ever done that. Correct. I think, and I think that's the point of like you know why I think you know having so many diverse voices who represent every constituency you can think mm-hmm. of, having the uh, the ability to do that because basically he's on his phone. Like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. even know if he's on, I don't think he's on an iPhone. He's probably on an Android. I, um, I, I would I would probably agree, but I am not a tech expert. But I would <laughs> I would say yes. Um, um, so like, you know, but like, here's what he did. He did that video. He uploads the TikTok. He's been doing these videos for quite a while. And that's the one that struck because we're like, this is the most random thing of all. But hey, also, we're in a period where everyone's home to do the doom scroll. Yeah. So all you're doing is, all, all you're doing is scrolling. And yep. so, of course, you're going to f- come across content that is unique and different. Um, and you can be like, wait, what is this? Okay. I mean, the same thing with Tabitha Brown. You know, mm-hmm. I I actually I wish more people talk about the fact that the success of TikTok is actually more emblematic of two people who are over forty mm-hmm. um, who've done campaigns and the little the stuff the kids are doing, and yep. you know, yep. Tabitha Brown is making a nation full of vegans, and Dogface he's like you know he's he's created so many people like. I saw someone doing this in Manhattan, like replicating it in their sunroof. And I was like, are you out of your mind? Yep. <laughs> but there you go. Like there is this viral trend that this guy who, again, you would never have expected, wasn't a kid, but was doing something he, he loved to do and he was authentic about it and he was human about it and he didn't give a damn. 
And there you go. And I think that's where we have to be with great storytelling going forward. 100%. Like, could not agree more. And I think that's really the point of film the future, right? You know, there's no such thing. And I'm sure you've been in meetings and I have been in thousands of meetings where I have heard, well, we can't find anyone qualified or competitive. I'm like, that's not a real statement. That's, that's a fake statement, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's not, not true. There's so much talent out there. What their need, what Hollywood and advertising, and let's be honest, every tech, you know, this politics is there needs to be a real pipeline. You need to do the training and the work and it's hard work. Pipeline work is hard work. It's, it's long. It's hard, right? You have to start early and commit. It's not fast overnight results, you know? Like um, our students, you know, I got some of them as freshmen or sophomores, sorry, sophomores in high school and, you know, kind of the summer between freshmen and sophomore. And now they're graduating college. And that is awesome, but it is long lead. And I think to make real change, you have to commit to that kind of time and effort. To build, to see real change, you have to be part of a real pipeline program. Absolutely. You know, thinking about all the stuff you're doing and trying to like make this work and having two jobs, what in the world are you doing for your self-care outside of watching tons of shit screen? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, it's funny. We actually talked a lot about this on our Saturday mental health day of what, what Rachel is actually doing. Um, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. I, I struggle a lot. Um, I think my self care, um, I'm laughing only because, uh, you know, I'm not great at it. I will fully admit to everyone. And I think people who know me, um, I, I really do struggle with this self care. Um, is I try not to doom scroll in the morning because that just sets me off a dark, dark course. So I try to not look at Twitter in the morning. Um, and I do try to put on my like to-do list because I'm a Virgo and I love a to-do list more than life. Um, <laughs> um, is like, what are the two or three small things that I can do for myself? And they can be small, like have a good cup of coffee and not do Twitter, right? Like take that 10 minutes to yourself. Um, I read a lot. I love reading. Um, so I try to read one or two books a week that are not work or film to future, like education related. Um, so that, that is my self care is truthfully trying to like not do doom scrolling, um, <laughs> ha have a good cup of coffee in the morning, um, and try to read for fun, right? Like try to kind of not get wrapped up in the world and, and take some time, um, for myself, but I wouldn't say I'm great. I've tried to be better. Um, I think this this uh, this month has riled me up a lot, Laura. I'm not gonna lie. Um, um, I don't see anyone being calm the rest of this month or right? for the next 22 days. Correct. So, I mean, by the way, to I, I let's be honest. I think it's till January. Um, that's true. No, that's actually true. You know, we've we now think, hit that stride of it all. Exactly. But I think it's also like what are the, and, and this is what I do do less self-care and more like kind of work related, but it does help me. It's what are the small things I am doing to what I believe moves society forward? Have I registered to vote? Have I done my vote bail? Have I checked in with a student? You know, like we've gotten 12 of our students internships this fall and that might not sound 
huge, but like 12 students now have paid jobs in Hollywood through our program, right? And so every day it's like, what are the two or three or four or five or 10 things that I can do locally, personally, that will make a difference? I think those are key. I think those are, I think that's, you know, it's like one, you can't get, get so caught up in all of this. You're like, oh my God. Uh, and like just head on the music covers or, and then just doom scroll on the covers. Um, it's very <laughs> yep. much like try and find, you know, find some joy and find some purpose so that you yeah. will freak yourself out less. Because <laughs> you yeah. freak out just less. All I'm asking yeah. for is less of a freak out. And, uh, um, and I really believe that if every person did like two or three small things locally every day, that makes a huge difference, right? Like, I don't know that we're going to stop a Supreme Court nomination. Probably not. But are we going to maybe volunteer an hour for a local or a school board who and teach better curriculum? That's something that is attainable, that will have long-term effects. Bingo. <laughs> Simple and easy. Um, and lastly, um, do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? Ooh, great question. Um, yes, I mean, if you have the means and are inspired by our story, um, support from the audience helps, and it's very easy to donate online at filmthefuture.org because um, every dollar goes to our students, and we're working on an amazing fall curriculum and spring curriculum. And the second thing, register to vote. Please, everyone, register. And if you can't vote, you know, there's other things to do to help a friend vote, drive someone to vote, help someone drop off a mail-on ballot. Uh, I am a huge believer that um, if we're not part of the process, we can't demand change. And three, um, if you want to get involved, if you want to speak, if you're a production company that has open positions, reach out. Um, it's info at filmtofuture.org. We'd love to talk to you and we'd love to have you involved in the work we do. Awesome. Uh, Rachel, I could keep talking to you for another hour or so. I know. Uh, I want to so, go back and talk about our musical taste because I was very yeah. excited when you said Enya. Oh, yeah. It's very strange. I just, I'm also an old soul. So, you know. Uh, yes. I mean, I have like Stevie Nicks on repeat, like always. I mean, she's my girl. Um. Uh, yes. Or, like, or any kind of old school like Supremes and yes. Van Ross and Martin Vandellas and like yeah I'm an old black lady <laughs> I like everything like I grew up listening to Chuck Berry like yeah I, it's funny that I grew up with Chuck Berry not like the Beatles my parents hated the Beatles and loved Chuck Berry and that's that's what I love listening to good musical choices so yeah we're gonna, we're gonna keep chatting about that soon um but thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your incredible story and the awesome work that you're doing i encourage everyone to check the show notes so we'll put in information how you can uh donate learn more about from the future if you have uh, potential jobs or you want to help you know finance getting more students in this is a phenomenal program and i think as we were saying it's really important for folks to understand that there's so there's such a massive ecosystem available of jobs for people in the, in the film community. So these guys are a wonderful um, portal for that. So please do take a look at, and, and learn more about what Rachel's organization is doing. And thank you so much, Rachel, for thank being you. on the show. Thank you, Laura. This was such a joy and I totally appreciate uh, your time. And this is such a great podcast. So thank you for having me on. I, it was awesome. Awesome. Uh, and that is our show. <laughs>